Welcome back to the G Truth. And I got a shorter episode today. I got covering uh, Monday Night Football with the Patriots against the Jets. My takeaways, especially for the Jets and Sam Darnold, Adam Gase, and their offensive coach, a lot to talk about there. I got the injuries and the start of the NBA season, as well as my second to last division to talk about the Southeast Division in the NBA. And then after that, I just got one more division to cover, and that is probably the probably the division that has a lot of expectations and a lot of noise around it, and that is the Pacific Division. It's the only other division that I can think of off the top of my head that has as much close to the hype as that division is the one with the Rockets, Spurs, Mavericks, and Pelicans. But I'm excited to talk about the Southeast Division and then the Pacific Division, as well as the the uh, day I'm recording this Tuesday, the, the season opener for the NBA season with the Clippers and Lakers and the Raptors and Pelicans. But that game will be over by the time this actually goes up. But overall, excited for NBA opening week. If you don't know already, basketball is my favorite sport. And then comes football. And then comes a whole bunch of other sports tied for third, like baseball. And maybe tennis. But before I can go into the first topic being Monday Night Football, I want to talk about what, what I usually do, which is the band I've been listening to, and this wraps up the trio, the trilogy of bands I've been listening to, The Wallows, The Neighborhood. The third one is Fitz and the Tantrums. Now, you may have heard this band already from their hit, Hand Clap, as well as another hit called The Walker. You may have already heard those um, songs, but there are several other ones that I really, really like. Because I don't really listen to those ones as much, mainly because I find them overplayed, especially hand clap, not so much the walker. So I'll listen to Out of My League, the walkers. I, I listen to also a whole bunch. I listen to One, Two, Three, Four, Five, Six, Fool, I Just Want to Shine. Um, I, I listen to uh, one of their albums a whole lot. It's an EP album, uh, which is extended play so it's a bit longer than a single but not quite an official album or LP and the one I've been listening to a lot is songs for a breakup I'm pretty sure that's what it's called now I'm not going through a breakup or anything but I do like the songs in there such as don't gotta work it out breaking the chains of love there, there's some really good ones in there I really enjoy it and also fun fact add the the creator of, of the band, Fitzpatrick himself, you will find in none of these songs by Fitz and the Tantrums that there's no guitar. And the reason why is because the artist Fitzpatrick, the singer, the head of the band himself, just doesn't like having guitar in his songs because he's heard it in so many of other songs, the same sort of guitar sound, and he got sick of it. And so when he started writing his music and and started writing songs for Fits and the Tantrums, he just said no guitar. I find that really I find that really interesting. 
and also really cool making it his own string from the from the um, from the from the norm. Alright, now we move on to Monday Night Football. On Monday night, the Patriots and the New York Jets faced off. And as we know, the Patriots completely dominated the New York Jets. The final score was 33-0. The main talk was of Sam Darnold, who had as bad a game as humanly possible, really. He had his QBR at the end of the game was 0.7. Literally, I could be out there, spike the ball into the ground a hundred times, and I would have a better QBR. Yeah, it was not pretty. He had 86 yards on 34% passing. I believe he was 3 of 11. 3? No, 11 of 32. Yeah, my numbers mixed up. 11 of 32. And then he had four, four interceptions. The only positive takeaway from his whole stat line was that he was only sacked once. But even then he fumbled. I'm not sad. But I'm not here to completely rip into Sam Darnold. I'm here to talk about the Jets and what I took from that game. Yes, they got beat bad, but it's how they got beat. And what I took from that game regarding Sam Darnold. So I'm going to cover three points. The offensive line for the Jets, Sam Darnold himself, and then the coaching of the New York Jets. So let's talk about the offensive line. It's pretty plain and simple. They couldn't guard anything. They really couldn't. If I gave them some keys and told them, hey, don't let anyone touch these keys, those keys would be gone within two minutes. I, I, I was watching the game last night with, with a friend, and... And we both pointed out that there is a complete lack of uh, communication among that whole offensive line whenever the Patriots would blitz. And they would blitz with man-to-man, -man, so it was a zero blitz. So you need communication because there's going to be one extra guy coming at you, coming at the quarterback. So the offensive line didn't communicate at all, leading to Sam Darnold getting rushed a lot, getting hit a lot. And and they just plainly gotta do better. They got they gotta take the initiative to to say, hey, I got this. You take care of those two guys. I'll take care of this gap. You take care of that gap. And then you come over here. Stuff like that. In the end, you need to protect your quarterback, Sam Darnold. And for Sam Darnold, yes, there was constant pressure, and I understand that. You had to rush your throws. You had to go through your reads extra fast. Coaching was a problem, and we'll get to that later. But you can't throw those four picks. All of those picks were just bad. I can understand if they were other ones, like he got hit as he threw the ball. Then I could say, oh, the offensive line didn't protect him or give him enough time. Or I could say... Or, or if it was one where he threw it right at the right, right at the wide receiver, and the wide receiver just dropped it, went through his hands, into the arms of a defender. Then I could defend what Sam Darnold did. But I can't, because that was not the case. His picks were both bad mechanics and bad ideas. The first pick, 
he threw off his back foot. First drive of the game. First drive. He overthrew it. Bad pass. Bad accuracy. He was pressured. It was just bad. Bad mechanics off his back foot. Going away from the wide receiver. Overthrew it. Horrible from there. But I did like what he said afterwards. Where he said, my fault. I gotta do better. I gotta be better. I like that. But then, a couple drives later, his second pick, he threw off his back foot. Again. And this one was nowhere close to the wide receiver. And this one, I think that we started to see where where he got mic'd up saying that they, they were seeing ghosts. I think that was clear in the second interception. He threw it away before he needed, he needed to. He had time, but he threw it because he thought that someone was going to uh, sack him. And then the third interception. Off his back foot again. He underthrew it. Nowhere close wide receiver. He was pressured. Interception. Fourth interception. In the red zone. Back foot underthrown. Picked. Again, same as the second interception. He threw it way before he needed to. And then his fumble. He had I had no idea I had no idea what he was trying to do. I don't think he even knew what he was trying to do. He looked like he was trying to roll out, but he rolled out in the same direction as the oncoming defender. He tried to make a big play, but that didn't work. He's not there yet. He's not at the caliber of Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers when it comes to playmaking like that. In that case, you should just dump it off. Because he tried to roll out. He had the ball way out here, not protected. And he dropped it. So the interceptions and the fumble, mechanically, idealistically, are Sam Donald's fault. They're off his back foot. He threw it off his back foot. And that makes it his fault. But. I cannot give. I cannot. I, I cannot attribute. A hundred percent of those picks. To Sam Donald. Coaching. Does. Take. Responsibility. For this. As well. And that's. Adam Gates. The head coach. As well as the offensive. Coordinator. Dowell. Logans. When your quarterback. Is flustered. And clearly so, and, and says to you that he's seen ghosts out there, and you see him throwing it to absolutely no one, you got to fix that problem right then and there. You cannot let him learn by mistake in this case. It's not one of those situations where you can give a baby a set of Legos and say, hey, figure it out, and they'll figure it out after an hour or so, and start building something. No. This is more complex. You gotta fix those problems right away. You gotta help them. You gotta run simpler plays. Because all those picks were from long developing plays and routes. And if, they're, and if the Patriots are running zero blitz, and they are a great man-to-man -man team, you're not going to have tons of time to have these post routes develop or these comeback routes develop or these long, long, long routes develop. 
you gotta run some for plays. They did a good job mixing in the run there. But you gotta have routes that beat man-to-man, that are intended to be short, to gain just some yardage. Slant routes, flats, drag routes, maybe a curl route, maybe a screen. Something that beats man-to-man quickly before the blitz gets there. And they didn't do that. And then it got even worse. You could see that Sam Darnold clearly was just getting worse and worse as the night progressed. After the second pick, he was just throwing it out of bounds. Even more so after the fourth pick, where there was a drive where three times he just threw it out of bounds. He wasn't even pressured that much. And he just threw it way out of bounds. Nowhere close to wide receiver. And you could say, hey, there was nothing open. But I'm sure there was. I haven't looked deep into the film yet. But I'm sure there was better ideas than what Sam Darnold did. And when your quarterback is doing that, just throwing it out of bounds, not looking at wide receivers, not scanning the field fully, because he's afraid, afraid of a blitz, of getting sacked, of people coming to him. At that point, you gotta pull him out. You gotta pull him out. It's plain and simple. You gotta pull him out. Because he isn't learning anything by being out on the field, making mistake after mistake after mistake. It's like a child. Like, you know those toys that you would have growing up or at the dentist or doctor's office? Where there'd be a box with all these little shape holes, a circle hole, a triangle hole, a pentagon hole, and then you'd have the same, uh, like a cylinder or a, pri- a triangular prism or something to fit in those holes. It's like if you had that, but you just had a triangle hole and you try to fit a pentagon prism into it, and that was the and those, and those were the only two things that you had. You're not learning. You're, you're just learning. All you're learning at that point is, yeah, that does not work. And that's all you're teaching Sam Darnold at this point from that game. Yeah, what we did didn't work. Adam Gates should have pulled Sam Darnold out so that he, A, he, he can learn, sit back, learn from film rather than getting mentally beat and just get down in the dumps because you're not really helping him by having him out there yeah get him to forget the game as quickly as possible now sam Darnold is a young fine player this was his 16th game and I don't believe this game should hurt him in development. Yes, it'll be a little bump in the road, but it should not affect him greatly in his development as a football player. But it should, if anything, put Dow Logans and Adam Gase, especially Adam Gase, on notice because they should know better 
on what to do with their quarterback in this situation. When you're getting blown out. When he clearly is frustrated and not doing well. You should know what to do. You take him out or you make it significantly easier on him. And they did not do that. Okay. So that was a heavy topic to start off with on Monday Night Football. Even though some of you may not have watched the whole game because, let's, let's face it, after the Patriots went up 17 zip in the first quarter, we knew it was over. But I'm going to shift to something a bit more relaxed, and that is the Southeast Division in the NBA. Now, the Southeast Division looks pretty good. The Southeast Division consists of the Orlando Magic, Charlotte Hornets, Miami Heat, Washington Wizards, Atlanta Hawks. Now, two of these teams, I can say, are going to be playoff contenders this year. One of them, I can say, they can be in the mix, kind of, but give them one more year, one more year of development. And then the other two, I really hope that they figure what they're doing out. So, out of those five teams I mentioned, just to start off with, the Magic and the Heat are going to be contending in the playoffs, not for a championship. The Hawks, I say, one more year, one more year of development with Trey Young, John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, those young, that young core, before they can really take that next step into the playoffs. And then the Charlotte Hornets and Washington Wizards, I just hope that they figure out what they're doing because they don't have a clear direction to me. But let's start with the Orlando Magic. They actually look really, really good on paper. They kept Vucevic this offseason. They got Markel Fultz at a pretty uh, nice trade. But they have a really young, nice core with Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac. They got Terrence Ross, Markel Fultz, Vucevic. They look really, really nice. Aaron Gordon, 24, already played five seasons, I'm pretty sure. And Jonathan Isaac, going into his third year, both look primed for standout, maybe even breakout seasons. And they definitely have the makeup of a playoff team. The only question that I have for the Orlando Magic at this point is, can they be consistent while developing their younger pieces like Markel Fultz or Jonathan Isaac? Can they stay consistent? Can they compete while developing? Because last season and the season before that too, they were up and down, up and down with winning and developing their players. That's my only question with them. Otherwise, they look really, really good and ready for the season. Next, the Charlotte Hornets. I think that their biggest need at this point is just a sense of direction. They're paying players like Terry Rozier. And they act like they're competitors. Like they're going to go to the playoffs and challenge someone. Now, there's a couple... Things wrong with this. A, you didn't make the playoffs last season with Kemba Walker. 
MB, you are nowhere close to playoff caliber. They are not a great team. They really should be in full-on re rebuilding mode. But they're not. They don't have any extra first-round picks. They just have theirs from now until 2025, and they have some extra second-round picks from here to then. Yes, second-round picks are great, but you got to get some first-rounders, get some young talent into that lineup and start developing quick. They do not have a sense of direction. They want to push the notion that they're full steam ahead, playoff, competition, ready, ready to face anyone. But they're not. They're, they simply are not. They need to rebuild, and the sooner that they figure that out and realize that, the better. Third team that I have to talk about is the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat I actually kind of like, just a bit. They have a direction, and it's probably not clear right off the jump. Are they going to be contending? No. Are they rebuilding right now? No. Their, di their direction is entertainment, business, money entertainment. For them, it's all about being in the mix. It's not going deep into the playoffs. That That's great, but it's not going to happen. And they know it. It's not going to the finals. They surely are not going to try to miss the playoffs. It's all about staying in the mix. They got Jimmy Butler for that reason. They want to contend in the playoffs. They want that drama, especially with Jimmy Butler there entertainment and because that that because I know that that is their direction I'm okay with where their team is at if they were trying to spin that their, that their direction is I'm gonna full-on compete and try to win a championship I would have I would have a deep problem with that because they are not loaded to do so if their direction was Full rebuild. I would have a problem with that because their direction is because they clearly do not have the makeup of that. But their direction is entertainment, so I'm okay with what they have right now. Next, I have the Washington Wizards. They are in trouble. They have a false hope in Bradley Beal carrying a team and John Wall getting out of injury, where he's going to be out probably for this whole year, actually, and them somehow getting back together and pushing the Wizards onwards to the future. At this point, they just need to move on. Start rebuilding. Start rebuilding. Move on. And just never look back. Because right now, you're stuck in the past, and that's doing your franchise absolutely no good. Bradley Beal and John Wall are not going to be competing for a championship. They barely can make it to the playoffs, as is. All they are is disappointing to the fan base. So move on and don't look back. Rebuild. Now for the Atlanta Hawks. I actually really like the, where this team is going 
forward. Trey, Trey Young rookie season looks really, really nice. I would like him to tone down on the volume shooting. I would like him to be a bit more precise and take better shots. But he's doing him, and that's fine. It, wor it works. For now, at least. John Collins is also a young button player. He looks really, really good. They have DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish, as I mentioned earlier, who are young rookies who just add on to that young core. They have a veteran presence in Vince Carter there. They just look really, really nice, and they look like they have a solid plan going forward. They had 29 wins last season. I can easily see them going 40-plus wins this season just on pure development. Now, I don't think that they're going to make the playoffs this year or yeah, this year, but I do see them making it soon. Maybe next season. But they're on the right path. They have the right idea. They did everything right. They had a really good team. That was the first seed with Cal Corbett, Jeff T, Paul Millsap, Al Horford. And then when it didn't work, guess what they did? They blew it up. They got a new direction. I can actually do a huge talk on this, and I would love to. And I think I'm going to now that I'm talking about it. Because I think that some teams in the NBA should follow exactly what the Hawks did. Because it was smart. But they're on the right path. And I really like where they're headed to. Alright. No break for this episode. Just hopping right into the next subject. Like I said before in my intro, the NBA season, as I'm recording this, starts tonight. Now when this goes up, it'll have already passed. But it's going to be really, really fun. However, I do have some warnings to get through. To make my point. And that, and that starts with the injuries. We got recent news that Clay Thompson is likely out for the entire season with his ACL injury and recovering from that. Zion has been reported to be out between six to eight weeks with uh, a knee injury following his surgery. PG-13, uh, Paul George is expected to be out until mid-November, November 15th-ish. With his shoulder injury, Kyle Kuzma is day-to-day, -day, on and off, questionable with a foot injury. Anthony Davis is day-to-day -day with a thumb sprain. Oladipo is out until December, possibly, even then, with a knee injury. The point I'm trying to make is, and there's tons more injuries, the point I'm trying to make here is that no matter who wins, Clippers, Lakers, Raptors, Pelicans, or in upcoming weeks, or in upcoming games, don't freak out. If the Lakers or Clippers, which is not going to be possible, start 0-5, it's not going to be ants because someone's going to win Lakers or Clippers season opener. But if one of them starts 0-5, that does not mean that they suck. It does not mean that they're no longer title contenders. No. No. If the Kings go 5-0 and to start, 
the Sacramento Kings go 5-0, and or even 10-0, and that does not mean that they're going to go to the finals. No. Injuries play a part in all of this. Fatigue plays a part in all of this. Game plan for the whole season, actually, plays a whole part in this. Golden State last season was a second seed. Wanna know why? Because they were no, they're the first seed. The year before that, with the Rockets. Where they're the second seed to the Rockets. They were the second seed. One oh I A. The Rockets were really, really good. But B the Warriors knew that they needed rest. That they couldn't compete every single game full out if they wanted to win the championship. We won't know with injuries and poor starts. We won't know the true contenders from the pretenders until mid-December, mid-January. Last season was a perfect example. The Rockets were the 14th seed early on. Come mid-December, mid-January time, they were back around where they were supposed to be. Lakers were fourth seed early on. And then LeBron James went out, a whole bunch of different things happened, and they dropped significantly off. Memphis Grizzlies were the number one seed early on. And they ended up being one of the, one of the bottom teams. My point is, Enjoy opening and enjoy the opening week. Enjoy the opening games. But don't get carried away by the wins or losses. It's part of the game, but it does not mean by any chance, not yet at least, that Team A or Team B is going to win it all and that Team C or D are bottom feeders. We will know come mid-December, mid-January. Anyways, thank you for listening to the G-Truth. And I really enjoyed today's episode. It was really, really good. But I, I will say, I do plan on doing a lot more film analysis for uh, the NFL. I think that doing it a, a whole, not a whole episode, but a segment on the Atlanta Hawks and what they did in the rebuild translates to how NBA teams should rebuild. I think those are really good ideas going forward. I'm going I'm to write that down and start planning that out. Not this week, but maybe next week. Anyways, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to Comment. I think I think that's the most important thing. Give feedback. Give feedback. And after that, second most important thing, share amongst friends and family. Give feedback and then share. Those are the two most important things that you can do right now after listening to my podcast. Anyways, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Peace out.